Would you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14? And we're going to be reading verses 25 to 35. Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, starting at verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear.
If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to the book of Ruth. It's about the eighth book in your Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. We read the story last week of how there had been a famine in that house of food, that little place called Bethlehem in Judah. How Naomi and her family had moved to Moab, the other side of the Jordan River, enemy territory, because there was food there. And while they were there, the men of that family died. They married Moabite women, the two sons. But both Naomi's, hus- or Naomi's husband and both of her sons died. And verse 5 said that Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And we want to pick the story up in verse 6. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law. By the way, uh, here's a grammar lesson for you that is absolutely free and has nothing to do with the scripture. It's daughters-in-law, not daughter-in-laws. So there. The Bible is right. Um, okay, when, uh, okay, <laughs> back to verse 6. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Yesterday, Kathy and I had a conversation about the twists and turns that, that uh, have happened in, in our lives. And we talked about how if we hadn't married each other or if, if one of us had, or both of us had gotten enamored with other people, uh, how different things would be. We wouldn't have this life. We wouldn't have our children. We wouldn't have each other. We wouldn't have our grandchildren. But the reality is that 46 years ago on Labor Day weekend at a youth retreat in Malise Lake, British Columbia, these two teenagers met, they hit it off, 
they became an item, and the rest is history. But there are other choices that I made in my life. I made a choice at the age of 12 to go to a camp and accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I made a choice to hang out with a Baptist pastor for a number of years. I made some bad choices, which included substance abuse and vehicle accidents and lifestyle choices, getting into trouble. There were events in my life when I got expelled from high school, academic struggles that I had and job changes. I made some good choices too. Got married, we had children, going to church, chose Christian friends, chose to seek God, chose to go to Bible college, chose to do God's will, and chose to come to Nipawin. And those have all been good choices in my life. And I'm sure that you've made many choices as well, some good and bad. But all the choices that you have made have brought you to this point in time, here today, this morning, inside this very building. You've come into this building to worship and to hear the Word of God. We've all made choices. Some are bigger than others, but there comes a time where we need to make the biggest choice of all, and I'm going to put one of those before you this morning. I think choosing to follow Jesus, and I'm not talking about accepting Jesus into our heart, but choosing to follow Jesus is one of the best and the biggest choices that we can ever make. Choosing to follow Jesus is one of the biggest and best choices that we can make. Sooner or later, we're faced with the need to make a choice. And Naomi and her husband and her family had made a choice. And whether or not it was a good choice or a bad choice, we don't really know. But they chose to go across the river to live in enemy territory because there was a famine in the land. This was in the time of the judges. And usually the reason the land was short of food is because people had turned their backs on God. And so they chose to turn their backs on God's people and to walk away from it. Now, the Bible doesn't say whether it was a good choice or a bad choice. And you can beat yourself up or you can try and analyze yourself or or your life over some of the choices that you and I have made. But sooner or later, we have to get to the point where we say, look, regardless of whether or not I made the right choice or the wrong choice, here is where I am, and now I have to deal with it. Jewish tradition says that that those three men died because they made the wrong choice. I don't know. I'm not going to pass judgment on that. But the result of this was that Naomi had accumulated a great load of personal grief. Her husband and her only two sons had died before their time, and she was a stranger in a foreign land, and she had no hope and no future there. And so she needed to make a choice. So she she received news from Israel, verse 6 of Ruth chapter 1. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi made a choice. And she and her daughters-in-law made a decision, we are going to go back. They decided to return. And the word means to turn around. It's the word that we use for repentance. It means to turn. They decided to go back. Whether or not that had been a good choice, right now she was in a hard place. And she decided to turn back, to go back to Israel. And so they prepared to return home. And in order to put that choice into action, she also put it into shoe leather. 
Because verse 7 says that with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road. And there are times that you and I need to make a decision. We find ourselves in a place that we realize is not the right place to be. And sometimes we have to eat humble pie and to go back and say, you know what, I didn't make the right choice. I need to do things differently. And so she made the choice to turn around and to leave and to go back to the place where she had come from. And I don't know about you and me. I've made bad choices. I've made good choices. But some of my choices have landed me in predicaments, have put me into trouble. And like I said, it really doesn't help to beat ourselves up over that. But sometimes we find ourselves where where we're in a mess, where we have a lack of purpose, where we can't find contentment, where you don't have any self-worth, where you know it can be better. And I remember one of those choices, I remember one of those situations where I was in, I I was working in BC in the logging industry, And all of a sudden, I came to realize I was making big money and things were going well. And all of a sudden, I came to realize I don't like what I'm doing. I don't want to keep on doing this for the rest of my life. I don't like it here. I'm not finding fulfillment. There is something wrong. There's something missing in my life. And so choices need to be made. And maybe some of you need to make a choice this morning to either turn toward the Lord or return toward the Lord. Some of you have maybe never made that choice to turn toward Jesus, and some of you have made it in the past, but in the reality of your life, you have chosen to go in your own direction, and you have made your own decisions. It's like that skit or or that drama presentation that we saw yesterday where they put this, this box up and in front of people and said, there, here's the throne of my life. And, and Jesus, you can sit there. And, and then this young woman was trying to, to make the decisions and, and Jesus was telling her what to do. And, and she kept bumping him off that throne. And maybe there comes a time where you and I need to return. Some of us make a choice And we're struggling with who's running my life. And the picture of repentance is that of turning back. It's the picture of the prodigal son who said to himself when he found himself in a pickle, I will go back to my father's house and I will eat dirt. Figuratively. I will repent and I will go back. And the reality is that the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And Naomi made a choice. She made a choice to return home, and in order to put that choice into action, she had to leave where she was and to set out on the road back toward God and back toward his people and back toward Israel. And sometimes that's a humiliating experience. where you have to say that you mess up, where words come out of my mouth like, hi, my name is Bill and I'm an alcoholic.
sometimes sometimes that's a choice that needs to be made. There's a bigger choice as well. It goes on from there. You see, if you're going to live with Jesus, if Jesus is going to be your Lord and Savior, there needs to be more than a token commitment. There needs to be more than an addition to a life that's already filled with many other things. Look at the situation. Naomi left. Her two daughters-in-law wanted to come along with her. And she said to those two women, look, there's nothing for you to go to. There is nothing ahead of you. Go back. Go back to, and, and here's a, it's a chilling statement. She says, go back to your mothers and go back to your gods. Because my God hasn't really treated me very well. And we want to talk about bitterness here in the next couple of weeks. And the one says, kissed her goodbye and turned around and went back. But still, in spite of that, there was something in Naomi, a spark of something that convinced Ruth. And Ruth said, don't urge me to leave or to turn back. In other words, I have made my decision. Do not urge me to leave or to turn back. And here are these famous words. She said, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. What if you and I made that commitment to Jesus? And isn't that what Jesus is asking from us? He said, any of you, if you do not give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. You see, when you decide to relinquish your life to Jesus, it's more than a token commitment or adding something. It's a total commitment. Where you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, your Father, my Father. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. I have no idea what come over my parents when we moved to Canada. We've talked about it, and, and I was all of 10 years old, and for me it was just a huge adventure. But Canada adopted us. 
And when we become Christians, God adopts us into his family. But my mom and dad made a decision which I think was remarkably profound. My dad was this timid little, short little man who had short man syndrome. He liked to boss people around. Um, but he was this timid little man who was scared of water because he never learned to swim. My dad couldn't play it, do any boy stuff with me because he was scared of the bush and the wilderness and he didn't like going out of his comfort zone and he didn't know how to throw a ball and he didn't know how to swing a bat and he didn't know how to fix cars and a lot of stuff. Like He knew nothing about motors and, and guns and, and didn't want anything to do with that. And He was really mad at me when I shot a grouse one time and forgot to take the shotgun pellet out and he bit on it. Anyway, but my mom and dad made this decision to not only allow Canada to adopt us, but for us to adopt Canada. And so in order to do that, we had to let go of some things that we had brought with us. Some of our cultural identity had to go. And we decided to become Canadian. When you get married... It's not something you add to a life. Getting married is something that is, that is, you know, when you sign up for marriage, you sign up for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. And I don't know what some of that's going to mean as Kathy and I get a little older. But when you sign up to be a Christian, you don't add it to a life that's already there. When you sign up to, a, to be a Christian, that's a total commitment. And sometimes our reaction is when things, when things don't go the way that we expect them in our lives, sometimes our reaction is, I didn't sign up for this. And the reality is, when I turned my life over to Jesus, I signed on the bottom line, and it's up to him to do whatever he wants with my life. I talked with a woman yesterday who was running that drama team. Her name was Victoria. She had all kinds of gifting in music, and, and God said, you know what, that's not where I want you to work. And I want you to work in this drama situation. She'd had multiple surgeries because of cancer. She has four children, and, 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 and she said, I wasn't expecting this when I, when I started out on this journey. And I said to her, you and I signed up for this. You see, I remember, and, and I quoted the words to her. She says, I heard them so often. She went to a different school, what I did. But I remember going forward in the old prairie tabernacle in Three Hills, Alberta. And the call was made for people who were willing to say to Jesus, I will go anywhere, I will do anything, I will go at any time, at any means, at any cost. I will serve you regardless. And I thought to myself the other day with all this issue with my heart, I didn't sign up for this. Yes, I did. You see, when I, when I relinquish my life to Jesus, he owns me and it's up to him to do with it whatever he wants. He controls my life. He makes the decisions. 
Do you know that some of the early missionaries, when they went overseas to Africa or other places, would pack their belongings in a coffin because they knew that they would never come back? It was anywhere, anytime, anyhow, any means, at any cost, Lord, wherever you want, I will serve you and follow you. One of my friends is involved in, in evangelism in China. And he said many of the Chinese young people are signing up for that and their churches will ask them to go to another country, some of the Russian republics and other places, and they go there. They know it's a one-way one trip. They know it's a one-way trip, but they will sign up because they say anywhere, anytime, anyhow, by any means at any cost. I got to know a man by the name of Lin Pham. Lin is about my age. He's a pastor in Vietnam. I shared a hotel room with this man, and I, I felt after he got done talking to me, I felt like I was about the height of a flea. But Lin Pham was a Christian, Christian young man. <coughs> at the time that Vietnam fell. And as he was driving someone to catch one of the last planes to leave Vietnam before the communist, South Vietnam, before the communists took it over, he had the opportunity to go as well. And he said to me, the Lord said to me, you need to stay here. And so he chose to stay. He spent more than three of his years, three years of his life in prison in Vietnam because of Christ. The man's been tortured. He's been beaten. But he said, this is where God wanted me. I asked him one time. <coughs> as a wife, daughters. I said, you were in prison for 18 months. Did your wife know where you were? He said, no, it was safer for her not to know. She knew I was serving Jesus, and that's all she needed to know. I'd like to talk to that lady sometime and see if she shares that same sense of well-being. My question to you this morning is this. What about you? What about you? Maybe like Naomi, you need to turn back. But have you ever realized, and that was one of the things, Kathy and I met with a, with a missionary couple one time before, way back when. And this couple laid out before us, if Jesus paid the price for your life, he owns you. He owns you. He has the right to tell you what to do, where to go. Your life belongs to him because you are his. He paid the price for you. And for many of us as Christians, we like this. Yes, I know that I have Jesus as my Savior. When I die, I go to be with him. But in the meantime, we live our lives for ourselves. Because to stand before God 
and to say anywhere, anytime, anyhow, any means, at any cost, is a really scary thing. But think about this. You have no control. You don't. And wouldn't you rather put your lives in the hand of someone who has total control? Like Ruth said, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And we know that death is not going to separate us from the love of Christ. And I'm a, I'm a bit undecided here this morning what to do. But you know, when, when, when I talk about I didn't sign up for this, I, I remember the event. I remember going forward to Prairie Tabernacle in Three Hills, Alberta, and saying, Lord, I'm signing up. Anywhere. Anytime, anyhow, any means, at any cost. Maybe you think, well, this is something for these Bible school students to do. Or maybe this is something for young people. I don't care if you're 8 or 18 or 80 years old. It's never too late to say that. It's scary because who knows, God often takes us up on stuff like this but it's the best decision that you can ever make. And so, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And if you want to say to Jesus, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, by any means, at any cost. I'm just going to ask you to stand while I'm praying. Then you're going to say someday, I didn't sign up for this. And you said, yeah, I signed up in Emmanuel Baptist Church. September the 15th, 2013. I don't know what it's going to mean, Lord, but I'm there. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your father will be my father. You see, not only do we need God to adopt us, we need to adopt him as our family, as our sovereign, as our father, as our controller as well. So, I'm going to pray. I'm going to leave it up to you. And we'll go from there. Father, we, we work under this illusion that we have control in our lives. 
And yet we recognize that we don't. But Lord, we, we cling so tenaciously to our lives. We cling to our, our things. We cling to our perceived freedom. But Lord, I want to stand before you again this morning. I know I signed up for it. I'm going to sign again, Lord. Anywhere. Anyhow. Anytime. Any means. At any cost. Because I'd rather have Jesus than anything else. Lord, I pray your blessing upon this body, upon these decisions. Lord, use us as you see fit to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.